This podcast contains discussions about mental health and may contain discussions about suicide and self-harm. If you or somebody that you know is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple O or call Lifeline on 131114 or be on blue on 1300 224636. Also, if you believe that someone you love is experiencing a mental health issue, please encourage them to go and talk to their GP as soon as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Hello folks and welcome to episode 66 of the podcast, Adam's My Aim, My Name, <laughs> struggle with that, Adam's My Name, I'm the host and creator of the pod, the How You Go Mate podcast, and uh, I'm very fortunate that I get to sit and listen to people's stories week in, week out, fortnight in, fortnight out, because um, as my friend Lamper Roberts said to me many years ago, it's a, it's a privilege that we get to hear people's stories, and they tell us, they share these uh, these insights with us, so a big thank you to everyone, particularly a big thank you to Anissa, who was on the last episode, uh, you know, the treatment and the the... the way that Anissa manages and the things that she does. We probably describe those as alternative therapies. But they worked for her and they worked for lots of people. And as we said in the episode, you find the thing that works for you. You find the, the treatment, you find the, 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 the way to manage your mental health that works for you. Uh, and if it doesn't work one way, try it another way. Um, and that's a really important message. Now, we, we did manage to drum up a little, biz, a little bit of business <laughs> for Anissa. Jan, who was on uh, one of the previous episodes, Jan... A few episodes back, she wanted to uh, engage in a bit of bowen therapy, but unfortunately, Jan lives here in Sydney and Alyssa's in Port Macquarie, so uh, Anissa's in Port Macquarie, so there's a little bit too much of a, a gap there. But uh, maybe if she's in Port, Jan will duck in and get a bit of bowen therapy one day off Anissa. We'll see how that goes. Um, another thing is, a really quickly, big thank you to a couple of people through the week who have sort of let me know that they listen to the podcast and they like what they hear. I love getting good feedback. It doesn't happen often enough, often enough and I'm really happy when it does so you know feel free to let me know what you think um, if you like what you hear please tell me because it, it kind of encourages me to keep going and um and last but most certainly not least let's introduce this week's guest now uh, this fortnight's guest i should say this fortnight's guest is jackie and jackie and i have known each other for quite a few years actually we went to university together and we weren't what you would call um like the best of friends well, we we didn't dislike each other either but uh, we we hung around in sort of similar social circles and there are some photos of us together in different situations but um uh it was a, a years later that Jackie and I got to work with each other and I've I've probably known Jackie for about 12 years now and uh, as you'll hear in the podcast as you'll hear in the episode uh, when Jackie started uh working with me it was at a time when she was um going through a, you know coming out the other side of a particularly tumultuous time in terms of her mental health this is a really fantastic episode, and, and it's not like anything we've ever sort of heard before. There's some really interesting insights into mental health. Um, journey, Jackie's journey uh, to to where she is now, where she is you know thriving and, and is managing her mental health conditions and is doing the things that she needs to do to, to be well. Um, Jackie's journey is, is, is a pretty rough one, and... Um, you know, we hesitate hesitate to use words like, oh, it's incredible and things like that. Because often when we do these things, we, we're just kind of doing it. We, we don't think of ourselves as being particularly incredible. We just kind of 
do what we need to do to get well and be healthy. And and certainly I think that's uh, where Jackie comes from as well. But it is really a fant- quite a fantastic story and not fantastic in that, oh, wow, that was fantastic, fantastic in like this is, there are parts of this where you think, man, this only happens in movies. This doesn't happen in real life and it most certainly does. There's great insight there. There's great uh, understanding. Jackie's gone through some real challenges in terms of her mental health. And I'm really, really keen for you guys to hear this. So without further ado, uh, a big thank you to Jackie for sharing her story. It is really quite amazing. And uh, all that's left to do is ask Jackie the question. Jackie, how you going, mate? Yeah, good. Good. I am. yeah, it's 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 really good to be here. <laughs> when she says here, she's in her loud room in her house. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> Through the magic of modern oh, technology. Don't shatter the the illusion. What are you doing? <laughs> Pulling the curtain back on the the world. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Um, so, right off the top, tell us who you are. That's that's the probably yep. the first question. So I'm Jackie Ann. I'm, um, I work in disabilities and mental health. Um, I'm a mum. I'm a nerd (laughs) and a geek Yep. and a full driver and I love to camp. Oh, and, and I could talk all day about Doctor Who. (laughs) The four, the four, and and a wordsmith as well. We'll talk about that later, but, um. (laughs) The um the four wheel drive. So Ali recently found that out about you I, that you're a four wheel driver, and I, I, and it doesn't it doesn't match. I'm sorry, but it just doesn't <laughs> doesn't match. No, no, you don't expect someone to be that adventurous when no. they're usually sitting down and watching, you know, Doctor Who, for instance. <laughs> it just it, it, um, I, I, it, and and to I guess give people context, it was one of those. So we can be open to the point that we we work together. So that's how we we know yep. each other, and we've sort of floated in and each other's lives for close to twenty five, nearly thirty years now, without realizing it. Yeah, Hello. yeah. We went to university together. For people that are listening, and then we 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 appear in photos with mutual friends, and yeah, and that's a similar story. People have listened to the podcast will know that um, Barb and I have exactly the same. So Barb was at uni with us as well, and I didn't know her or don't remember her. Yeah. At least no. you, I kind of remember a little bit, but I, but I don't remember Barb. And yes. we were all there at the same time, and we were all in the same classes. Yep. And we all had the yep. same mutual friends, so that was bizarre. But yes. the, there was a um, like a guessing competition, and they obviously picked things that we went, really, that person? But I was like, yeah, I I, I, mean, I know some of the other stuff. Like, I know you're a nerd, and I know you like Doctor Who, and I know and, and your nerdiness is one of the things I like about you. But the the four wheel driving, I went, hmm, okay. I, I have I have to admit, it's new. It's yeah. a new thing. We okay. haven't. I haven't been doing that. Our family haven't been doing that for a long time. We've probably been doing it. We started just before the pandemic. Okay. And then, um, yeah, our friends do it, so we joined them and. Off adventuring out in the wide world, which mm. you know what is a really good thing in when it comes to mental health or mental well-being. Just being able to get out there and not have the connections that you have when you're at home mm. with you know 
televisions and phones and internet and you're just out there on your own doing your own thing. Yeah, we had um, a guest uh, probably 12 months ago now who was Dave from the men's table and he's a really big exponent of, um, you know, getting out in nature. That's his thing, you know, to get out, even if it's just like in his backyard on the grass, you know, or in a park under a tree. Um, But just that that connection to the earth, nature. Well, for me, it's not so much about connection to nature. It's about disconnection from everything else. From unnature. Is that a Mm. word? That's not a word. (laughs) Hey, look, you know what? We can make it a word. Well, you are one of the premier wordsmiths that I know. You are the reason (laughs) I understand the meaning of the word defenestration. Um, Indeed. Yes. Indeed, and I have to thank Mr. Oscar Wilde for that word for myself. We're not going to tell people what that is. I want people to go and Google defenestration. It's it's horribly um, common, <laughs> but it's one of yeah. those. Yeah, but but yeah, the the um, Oscar Wilde and the ilk and his ilk use these incredibly descriptive, amazing you know language to describe things that were just very ordinary. Yep, indeed. <laughs> so our next indeed. our next question is always then, what does mental health mean to you? And and I know you've got a story which I'm. Yeah, it sounds odd to say I'm like excited because, um, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I can't think of another way to say that. But what does mental health yep. mean to you? Okay, so let's start with mental health. Mm-hmm. So mental health for me is being able to work, being able to enjoy my, the company of my family and my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about um, being able to. Um, Enjoy my day and enjoy life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about achieving things and trying new things. And sorry, I've just flicked a elastic band. Don't mind me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's all those sorts of things around being well and healthy and enjoying life. Um, but that hasn't always been the case for me. Um, yeah. It was, oh, well, we started at the beginning, do you think? It's as good a place as any. <laughs> good a place to start? Yeah. Um, so well, I have bipolar. Mm-hmm. I have only been, di- I was diagnosed with it about 12, 13 years ago. Okay. Um, prior to that, I'd been diagnosed with depression, postnatal depression. Um, for a little while there, I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Um, and I've probably had issues with mental health since, I don't know, s- since I was in high school. Mm. Um, I, I often give warnings to my kids and to other people that, you know, Drugs, if you've got a predisposition to a mental health condition, mm. drugs is going to help that along. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, you know, when I was in high school, I was clearly what they, self-medicating because I was, mm. you know, experiencing depression, so I was smoking a lot of pot mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, I went from being top of my chemistry class in year 11 to not even passing at the end of year 12. Wow. Yeah, um, and that was just everything. That was just stress of school and 
drugs and depression and all of those things. And then I went to uni um, and I just got worse, Mm. got worse and worse. Um, I have never been so grateful to a particular lecturer. You, You would have had the same lecturer, Mr. Vaughan, I think it may even be Dr. Vaughan Bowie, Probably, but yes, it's definitely Vaughan Bowie's. <laughs> he 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 noticed. He he picked it up and he said yeah. to me, "You need to go and see someone." Yeah. Um, and that's that's sort of where it it started on the journey of getting better. Um, unfortunately, got worse before it get better. But um, so I struggled all through uni with mm. depression. I saw a psychiatrist and he prescribed medication and that kind of made a difference, mm. but not really. Mm. Um, I was doing a full-time course at uni and I spent six years doing a three-year course that I didn't even finish in the end. <laughs> uh, so I spent six years at uni with nothing to show for it. Um, but in the end, it, I had to leave. I had to. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't. I, I, I had it. Yeah, there were times where I was actually at uni and I was sitting, there's an overwalk bridge in part of uni and I would sit on that bridge with every thought about whether if I jumped off this bridge it would be quick and painless. Mm. Would this be be the way to do it? And I'd sit there for hours thinking about that. I I don't think that bridge was high enough. Well, yeah, we're, I am only five foot two. Oh, that's true. <laughs> you probably, you, everything's a long way down. You probably, at best, I think you would have dislocated something. Like, I don't think. Anyway, but yes, we, yes. Should, we shouldn't joke about it. But um, Oh, do you know what? That's a thing for me. Mm. I, I do joke about it. Yeah, me too. It's it's a coping mechanism. Yep. It's a... Um, it's a coping mechanism. It's a, a, a stress relief. It's, it's also, a. am I'm able to do that now because it's not the issue that it once was. I find it also takes some of the power away from that thing as well. Like it makes it, yeah. makes it silly. And, um, yep. and, and, and I think sometimes that you think about some of the stuff you do when you, when you're not well. Some of it is innately silly, <laughs> like it needs to be oh, laughed at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, so I have bipolar, so mm. there's the depressive component, yep. which I struggle with most of my life, mm. um, but there's also the other component that's you know, referred to as mania or mm. manic, Yeah, and um, I do get a bit silly and mm. funny. I do stupid shit. I laugh my head off over things that aren't funny. Um, I, I make, I just be silly mm. sometimes because I like the attention because if I can get people laughing, then I think I'm, you know, that they all like me and, mm. and that I can do this for people and make them laugh. Mm. Um, but, when you're looking at bipolar, so depression for me was really being really, really depressed. Just, and I'm not saying I just felt sad. I mean, mm. 
24-7, my brain thought about how I could die. Mm-hmm. Would it be better to be dead? Mm. To the point where I, I got, um, they, they call it like a, a delusion. So I didn't just think it. I believed it with my whole heart mm. that everyone else would be better off without me. Mm. Um, I believed that it was really obvious that I was depressed. So I, I envisioned that I had a big bubble around me, mm. and within that bubble was all the evidence of my depression. Yep. And I would get upset with people for not being able to see it. Right. Can't you, can't you see? Can't don't you, don't you know how upset I am? But yeah. I don't say didn't say it out loud. Yeah, yeah. It was this. Can't you see? Can't you see how much pain I'm in? Can't you see how depressed I am? Yeah. Can't you see how much help I need? Yeah. But none of it was said out loud. And I I talk to people now who knew me back then who had no idea, no idea at all. Do you, I I want to give people a bit of context as well because. It's we're, we're talking early to mid nineties here. In those when you, yep. the year you, the years you're talking about, you year yep. eleven, year twelve, and the, the uni years. I mean ninety four, yep. ninety four to so, two to two thousand and twelve yeah, for you apparently. But most most of the nineties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the yep. master the overall which. And look, if anyone remembers the nineties, if you were going to be depressed, nineties was the time to be depressed in because yep. it was some of the most depression bloody you know centric. Pop culture got, stuff. Got to love a goth. Got to love, love an goth. emo. Yeah, got to love a goth, and you got to love grunge music and yeah, all sorts of things. But um, so I, I guess the thing to kind of say is that you know we we're still not sometimes not real great at picking out depression and mental health issues and things like that, but we're heaps better at it. And it was only 25, 30 years ago that we're talking about now. We're not talking about the 1930s or 40s. We're not talking mm. about, you know, we're not talking about the area yeah. where they locked women away for going through menopause. We're talking about, mm. you know, a reasonably recent history where we weren't having these conversations about mental health and people weren't no. looking for for the signs that we know exist in terms of yeah. someone having poor yeah. mental health and a mental health condition. Yeah. Yeah, you've got so much to be happy about, you know, yeah. all these wonderful things that you, why, you know, you've got so much to look forward to, mm. so much to live for, and you're like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that was most of uni. Yeah. Um, that was a lot of partying, drugs, alcohol. Yeah. Um, trying medication, trying to just do my thing, live yeah. my life as best I could. Yeah. Um, and then I met my, or re-met my wonderful husband. Mm-hmm. He um, he is the most amazing man I have ever met, mm. you know, maybe with the exception of yourself, Adam. Well, but <laughs> that just goes without saying. <laughs> is, he, um, is he still in earshot? Does he still? <laughs> <laughs> He's in the lounge room. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I met him, or we got we re met. We were childhood friends and had gone our separate ways for a while and came back together. Yep. And um, we had our our first baby, and that's where it just got really out of control. Right. So I was diagnosed with postnatal depression. Yep. After that, after my first baby, and that was um, really. De- 
debilitating. So you're a new mum mm-hmm. and you've got this beautiful, beautiful little boy. Yep. And and he's everything that you'd hoped for. He's mm. he's cute and he's cuddly and he's and he's screaming and he's crying mm-hmm. and he's demanding and and he wants you all the time. And suddenly yeah. you realise that you can't even look after you. Mm. And yet you have to look after this baby. And um, my husband worked a lot. <laughs> I was on maternity leave, so I was home all the time. And I had a particular day where I, it was just a bad day and and he wasn't having a good day. Um, and I went into the bedroom and picked him up and he was crying and crying and crying. And then I had this vision of him just sailing through the window. Mm. I was, I could, I was just, I could just, it was like this vivid image of me throwing him through the window yeah. like it mm. was going to fix. And I freaked out and I put him in his cot and I made sure he was safe and everything. Mm. And I walked out of the room and I closed the door. I walked through to the other end of the house, closing mm. doors behind me. Mm. I put music on. I picked up a book and I read that book until my husband came home from work because I couldn't touch him. Mm. If I touched him, I was going to hurt him. Mm. And that's devastating. When you're a mum, that you think that's something you're that could that you could do. Mm. Like, it, it's just, yeah, even now I can still see the images in my head mm. of what that would look like. And that's just an example mm. of some of the, the awfulness of being a mum with postnatal depression. Um, but you put on the smiley face and you went out in the mm. parent groups and you, you made out you're the perfect parent just like everyone else and mm. nobody mm. talked about it and... Mm. And I have, I'm absolutely sure I wasn't the only one, but you didn't, you didn't talk about it. The numbers are the same. Um, the numbers are the same for personal depression. I think it's one in four women. Yeah. Um, so they're they're very similar to sort of general yeah. general population mental health figures in terms of yeah. people who are experiencing a mental health condition at any given time. So mm. yeah, I mean. You, and and uh, you were touching them. You said before, and we've had a couple people on that have talked about various things in terms of their mental health and and postnatal depression, postnatal anxiety. The other thing you get told is this is the best time of your life. This is the happy. Yeah. You should be so happy. You've got this beautiful yeah. baby. Yeah. And yeah, I can only. Um, Bub had her. We've talked about this before. She had her issues with um, postpartum and you know, postnatal anxiety. And it's, yeah. it's you know, awful. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and there's a lot of parental guilt. Yeah. Am I doing it right? Yeah. Have I, you know, is am I doing something wrong? Is it going to affect their, their when they grow up? Mm. Um, I was convinced, convinced, and this goes back to that whole delusional thought thought processes mm. that if I didn't do the right things, put him on his back in the bed, not have mm. things in the cot, mm. Don't, don't put doonas in, don't put bedheads in, don't mm. put do this, that, the other thing. Mm. He was going to die of SIDS. Mm. Convinced of it yeah. if I just did one thing wrong. Mm. So consequently, I was a bit, you know, a bit bit of a horror parent. I didn't let other people do things for me. So I wouldn't let other people help because mm. they might do something wrong. Mm. And, and I, you know, I, I, I am the only one who can do it, including 
my husband. Mm. I'm the only one. He could he couldn't do it. Yeah. it. Took me a long time to realize that just because he does it different doesn't mean he does it wrong. <laughs> is that is that a general rule for your marriage as well, or is that just because <laughs> so, sometimes when Possibly. your husband doing things differently is doing it wrong, <laughs> even if it's right, it's still wrong. <laughs> but it was it just that, just that yeah. coming to that realization, even with my other kid, it meant that I let him do things more. Yeah, I wasn't the only one. I wasn't the only parent. Yeah. Um, did that, did that, so there's a couple of things. So like, I'm always curious, like, yeah, what does kid number two look like? And then, and then did that chorus, did this, this sort of easing of restrictions for, to use the current terms, did that correspond with you becoming more well, or was that part of like, what did that look like? What was that? So uh, I, Michael is my husband. He, um, he he said to me, "You need to go and see someone. You can't. There's something wrong here. We need you need to speak to someone." So I went and spoke to the doctor, and I got antidepressants, and they made a bit of a help. But you know, they they, they weren't. They made a bit of a difference, but not a hundred percent. And then I had another baby, and it. I've, I've had three kids of my own, and I have a stepson, mm-hmm. and it got worse. Every time it wow. just got worse and worse okay. and worse. Um, I was taking, they tr- I've tried, I don't even know, I sort of lost count of all the antidepressants they kept trying. Yeah. Trying to help and do and be and, you know, um, it, it, all the, it's, it's funny, depression wreaks havoc with your memory. Yeah. So there's events that happened around my mental health and I, I don't remember where they fit in the timeline. I, I don't remember whether it was with one baby or the next baby or where I lived or what. They're just, they're just detached from the timeline. I, I don't know where they fit. Mm. Um, so, you know, lots of different things happened. I've spent lots of time in hospital. Um, too many times to sort of think about like how often I was at, at the hospital mm. in Campbelltown. Um, it, they, that's a horrendous experience, mm. if I can just say so. In my, in my, I hope somebody else has had a better experience. I, I, I'm sure somebody else has. Mm. Um, but it, it was awful. It was the most terrifying place to be. I, I can't. Um, I, I, get, I almost get post-traumatic stress from it. I, I've tried to walk back in there in my job, in mm. my professional life, mm-hmm. and I, I do. I'm a mess when I get home wow. because I, all the memories just come up yeah. having been there. Um, if you've ever seen, have you ever seen Girl Interrupted? Yep. They haven't changed much. Wow. Psych hospital. I I went in there. Pretty not, much exactly the same. I never I never went in there. In there, I never was never um never never went down that path. Fortunately, but um I did go in there professionally probably in the early two thousands, and um yeah yeah it's yeah very just foreboding, and that's that yep. was just my very you know twenty minute experience of it. Boring mm. is another word for yeah. it, but. 
it, it is. You, you line up at a counter for your medication. You get time, you know, you're not allowed, they, you're not, you don't have free access to the tea and coffee. You have morning tea time and lunch time and dinner time and people are watching to see what you've eaten. They're paying attention to whether you've had a shower, mm. um, all of that. And that's, that's if you're in the open ward. If you're in the closed ward, so in the open ward, you might have had a little few activities. You might have been able to do some painting or you might have been able to do a bit of yoga or, mm. or you might have had a relaxation thing, right? Mm. In the closed ward, nothing. Mm. They do nothing with the patients. There are no activities. There is nothing. Mm. And I, when I get, um, when I'm a bit in a mixed state where I might be really depressed or I might be a bit manic at the same time. Mm. I get very agitated and angry and aggressive. Mm. And I was in there and I'm just laying loose at the nurse. Mm. We're in here. We're in here to get better. And you don't even give us anything to do. Mm. What are we supposed to do? Sit here in our own thoughts and contemplate the best way to kill ourselves? <laughs> I'm laying loose on this nurse. Well, I got, I got some paint. <laughs> when, when I asked why there were no activities, I was told everyone's too ill to participate. As you know, I work in disabilities. Yep. I work with people who are described as having a profound disability, both mm. physical and intellectual. Mm. And we always include them in activities. Mm. They might sit at the desk while people do an activity, but there's... They're part of the group. We might stand hand over hand and help them paint a picture. We might mm. sing along with them while other people, whatever, you know what we do. Mm. No, yeah. they can't do that. They can't do that with people because they're too sick. Oh, it just gets my goat. Sorry, I'm just getting all worked up over oh, it. it. It's And that's fine. It's it's almost punitive, like it's almost punitive isn't it? Like it's punishment. Oh, like yep. you're sick yep. and you need to be punished. We're not going to try. Yep. And, and it, I also feel mm -hmm. like there's sort of a... Um, yeah, like a jail kind of feel to it. Like, we're not going to send you to jail and try and rehabilitate you. We're just going to lock you away from the people. And it not, seems not like the same thing. like a jail. It is a jail. The well, doors yeah. are locked. There's big fences. You you can't come and go as you please. There's There it is. You are locked in for your own benefit until, you, until such time as they feel that you're well enough to go out into the world again. Yeah. And see, There's this... no treatment. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. That's the thing, and 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 with everything yeah. we know about mental health, with everything we know about mm -hmm. the importance of, you know, creativity and stimulation, and and even mm -hmm. like, you know, so I've talked to quite a few people that have, that have done sort of um, stints in private psychiatric facilities and you know rehab places yeah. and things like that, and they've spoken so glowingly of these experiences about yeah. how they get to go into group therapy sessions and they mm -hmm. get to go for walks along the beach and they're not allowed to swim, but you know, well, and 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 you, I don't I don't think they have tea and coffee readily available. I think that's um outlawed no, because that's, it's addictive that's, or yeah, stimulating. That's, it is. That's what it's about. There's, I I know understand. I do yeah. understand a logical point of view yeah. why that is the way it is. But still, I'm but an it, adult. But I even should be allowed to choose. But even outside of all of that, you know, like just if you took a bit of that model and applied it to the public system and said, right, yeah. let's get them doing some yoga and let's get them doing some painting and let's do some group stuff and let's try and actually. Yeah fix these rather yep. than just, you know, give them medication and hope for the best. Yep, 100%. Yeah. It, it would just give you – because part of, part of um, 
part of strategies towards mental wellness yeah. is finding things to distract you from those ruminating thoughts mm. or finding things to distract you from uh, to get you over the crest of the wave that is often that urge to self-harm or mm. to, to, you know, suicide or whatever the case may be. Mm. So you need distractions because mm. once you get over the crest, you're, you're, you're okay again for a while. Mm. But they didn't. They had nothing. Mm. And uh, I lost my crap one day. Yeah. I was in the closed ward and I thought that they were going to let me out. And it turns out they changed their mind. So I I understand why they didn't let me out because this is what happened. Um, I lost it. I threw everything. But anything that was in my bedroom that was not bolted down mm. got thrown. Mm. The mattress... It was a chair. I just threw it around my room. Mm. And the classic white coat scenario happened where they walked into my room Mm -hmm. and they said, they gave me two options. They said, I could sit down and take this tablet with this glass of water or I could have this needle whether I liked it or not. Mm. And obviously I took the tablet option because, you know. But Nobody likes needles. No, that's right. (laughs) And it, it was, that's what it was. They were there. They were standing there. You will do this because you are not well. I, yeah. I don't know. They wanted to settle me down. But I was angry and I was experienced, like I was angry because I thought I was going to go home yeah. and they changed their mind. And I don't think that's an unreasonable feeling. No. But. But you, yeah. in that moment, you almost—it became like a self-fulfilling prophecy, didn't it? You know, oh, we think yes. she—we think she's a bit unwell. We probably won't let her out. We'll tell her. Yeah. And then you go. They, you're expecting to be let out. You're extremely disappointed. You react accordingly and appropriately. Yep. Oh well, see, we told you she wasn't that well. We were right. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, it, it it is a funny thing. So I've been in two two different units. Mm. at Campbelltown. I was in Waratah House, mm-hmm. but I've also been in what's now called Barunji. It was called the Subacute when I was there. Yeah. Stark difference in the way you, they manage mm. it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. Um, Barunji is for young adults, yeah. um, where the, the Waratah was for all adults, yeah. and there were a number of people, in hindsight, there were a number of people in there who were really, really, really unwell or had disabilities. Mm. They didn't necessarily have mental health, yeah, yeah. which is a thing you thought was only in the past, yeah. but it's still a thing. Yeah. And um, But this other side that was for the younger adults was much more sedate. They seemed to have more empathy. I don't know what difference was or whether I was just in a different place than I was when I was in the other unit but it was much better experience um maybe a different philosophical approach or something like that maybe they were thinking oh we should do those things where they yeah I I don't know I was really unwell then though that I spent two months in hospital Mm. at that point when I was um in that unit um because every time I had a baby, the pressure got worse and worse and worse and I was just so unwell. Mm. And I couldn't, I couldn't look after me. I couldn't look after my kids. 
I was repeatedly self-harming. I was repeatedly taking overdoses. And and part of that's the reason I ended up with a borderline personality disorder mm. diagnosis at one point because I was doing those things that that meet those criteria for that diagnosis. But mm. uh, And you can have both. Mm. It is possible to have both. And the 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 symptomatic sim- symptomatic nature of both of them crossover. Mm. Yeah. Um. And and I was just in this state of re- repetition, and um, I couldn't look after my kids. I wasn't looking after me. There was periods in that in there where nobody left me alone. Uh, my, my husband and my friends had a tag team, so mm. if Michael had to go to work, one of my friends would come over mm. and then they did their shift and mm. then they'd tag out with somebody else who'd come over. Mm. And um, Did you realise they were doing that at the time? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. And, and I have a very black sense of humour and I remember saying to one of my friends one day, oh, good, you're here to make sure I don't kill myself. Great. <laughs> And I'm sorry to anyone listening who thinks that this isn't an appropriate way to approach things or it it would upset them. And I do understand that it does upset other people, but this is how I manage and this is what I need to do. And you know you're amongst friends here, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, if you Google inappropriate sense of humour, there's pretty much a picture of me comes up. (laughs) Yeah. So in amongst that, I had a, I had a, the docs came knocking on my door. Yep. Um, I, one evening I had taken an overdose and it was, um, it was actually a good thing. I didn't think it was a good thing at the time, but it was a good thing. I was on the phone to, um, Lifeline. Yep. And I had told the girl what I'd done and I thought I was just talking to her until it was all over. Mm. And um, next thing I know, the police are knocking on my door hmm. while I'm on the telephone. Hmm. And um, they were there. I, I was home alone with my kids. Mm-hmm. And um, they came and knocked on the door and I ended up being escorted to hospital by the police and the ambulance. And luckily, just before they took me away, my husband came home. So that was okay. But because I'd done this and left my children vulnerable... Hmm. They, they were, they, they're mandatory reporters. They had to make a report. And and it, it absolutely had to. I'm not at all upset by that at no, all. No. I would expect that that would happen again mm. if it needed to. Mm. Um, docs came knocking on the door. At, obviously not that day, <laughs> down the track. Mm. And um, had a bit of a chat with me. And then I was linked up to a program called Brighter Futures. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Can't speak more highly of that program. Right. Um, did some amazing things for us. Yep. Um, paid for my kids' childcare. Um, paid for my kids' school uniforms. Put my husband through training to get a different job to make him more available. Wow. Um, so that he could work more flexibly. Um, they're, they're the main things. They linked me up with like a, a program where somebody came just to spend time with me, like mm. a carer program. Mm. Um, they came and played with the kids and spent time with me and, and stuff like that. Um, 
yeah, it was was I did a parenting course through that as well. Hmm. I don't know how much difference that made, but it was still something. It was worth hmm. worth it. Um, and then <laughs> I got, was that the point when you went. Oh, I'm not supposed to throw them out the window. Okay, yeah. I get it yeah, now. Yeah, right. Rule number one. <laughs> That's right. Do not throw child out window. <laughs> do not leave them alone. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then I, I attempted to suicide on one occasion and it put me in intensive care. Right. Um, so... That's where it was probably the worst. Yep. Um, when you wake up in intensive care and don't know how you got there mm. um, and you're attached to this, that and the other things, it, that's a bit scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, disorientating. Yeah, I could, um, that was my first thought. Like, where, yeah. the, where the hell am I? Yeah. 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 Scary, um, like really scary, really genuinely yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's... I don't know whether that's the one that's connected to me spending two months in hospital. Yeah. But um, quite well could have been, I, you know. And then that's where it all changed. That that was the tipping point. So I had a doctor who kind of recognised that there might have been something going on more than depression because mm-hmm. we had a bit of a chat and and talked about history and and what have you, and mm-hmm. I, I've never been to hospital f- for being manic. Mm-hmm. But I had, a, I had an event when I was y- in the 90s, and I'd been out partying, and I was out with friends, and I'd had a few drinks, and I'd had a couple of joints, and mm. what have you, and, and things just flicked. I, I was having a drink, mm. and then all of a sudden, I just left my friends, ran, and I ran, and I, I'm not athletic, for anyone who's wondering. Sport is not my thing. Oh, really? You're a nerd. That's amazing. Um, oh, but I ran. I ran for hours and hours. I ran from Redfern to Central and back again. Wow. Um, halfway through that running, I stripped myself naked and then put my clothes back on again. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I jumped six-foot fences. I was just berserk, and I ended up in a park, and I just started screaming, just blood-curdling screaming and yeah. screaming and screaming, and somebody called an ambulance. I'd run off from my husband. My husband couldn't find me. Michael couldn't find me. Yeah. He'd paid $100 to a taxi guy to just drive him around the streets trying to find me. Yeah. And um, he found me at the same time that somebody called an ambulance. I don't know. Maybe he called the ambulance. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm still screaming and yelling, ambulance arrived. I'm, I'm completely delusional. I want to be a bat in the sky. I want to be a pussycat running across the fences. Now, I have been reassured that there was a bat in the sky and okay. a cat on the fence. They were okay. real. Okay. But I wanted to be them. Anyway, the, hosp- the ambulance driver was hilarious because I'm still screaming. I'm in the back yeah. of the ambulance. And he just looked at me like I was a child and said, Will you shut up? And I went, Oh, <laughs> oh okay. 
<laughs> yes, Dad. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> I got to the hospital and, and, yeah, and in the end I walked away with a discharge summary that said I'd had an acute psychotic episode. Right. Now, I was adamant for years and years that I'd had a drink spiked. Yep. That I'd had my drink spiked. And the hospital kept asking me what I'd taken and, you know, I was telling them I hadn't taken anything. Mm. In hindsight, it was probably a really manic episode. Um, it was probably that that's the episode that defines the fact that I have bipolar. Mm. Because you have to have an episode. You have to have a manic episode. You have to be have a period of time where, mm. you know, you, you do your your oversensitized. I, it's probably not a really good explanation of what main. Some people think mania is on top of the world. Mm. Uh, life's amazing. Mm. I can do anything. I'm so productive and I can do this and I'm the life of the party. Mm. I don't get that mania. Mm. <laughs> I get the everything needs to be done yesterday better and by someone else. Right. And I'm irritable and cranky and aggressive and agitated and I I I, I pick fights fights with people i picked fights with big dudes in pubs i've picked fights with my husband i've tried to climb out of moving vehicles Uh, i'd like and it's not fun Mm. it's not the fun that some people imagine that mania is or that you might see in movies that's what it's like for me i'm just go 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 my head doesn't stop i i just race and race and i get really really anxious Mm. and um and I do think I'm productive. Mm. I mean, in actual fact, I'm doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I get loud. I get really loud. Um, I, I do tend to sing. I, I will tend to sing at the top of my voice in places, mm. like, you know, um, and I will think I'm funny. I don't know that I am or not, but um, I think I'm being funny. Um so that's what mania means for me. And it doesn't happen very often. And it's happened more since I've had the depression treated. Okay. So having had that bit of a conversation with my doctor while I was in hospital for that two months, yeah. he kind of went, maybe you've got bipolar or it used to be called manic depressive yeah. disorder. Yeah. And he he started treating me for that. Hmm. Um, I also had a session, like I also had ECT mm-hmm. or electroconvulsive therapy mm-hmm. during that time, and that's that sounds pretty way out. And and there would be people out there going, "Oh my God, what? Mm. They made you do that?" Mm. And there would be people out there who'd had it, who'd mm. be like, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry they did that to you. That's an awful thing to have happened." Because for some people it is. Some people it's an awful experience, and it's, mm. it's it doesn't help. And and it's all it's everything that the one flew over the cuckoo's nest makes it out to be. Mm. But that wasn't for me. For me, it was the best thing I ever did. Wow. 
um, I, I everything got better. I went from not being able to work much or only having casual work yeah. um, to starting a permanent part-time position. So I finished ECT in the January mm. and I had a job in the April that I have had since. It's the same job, same company, so, all of that time. So effectively, so we talked the timeline earlier on, you and I met about three months after you had, or re-met, like properly then started knowing who each other were, about three yep. months after you'd had ECT. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Wow. And it, like I said, it was it was the best thing. I did have, I have had, I had minimal side effects. Hmm. Um, the very, very first session. So you have about 12 sessions every couple of days. Hmm. Um, like you have one session every couple of days yeah. for 12 sessions. Hmm. Admittedly, I only had 11 because on the 12th time the machine broke. (laughs) (laughs) But that was okay. (laughs) I didn't need that last one. But um, the very first... The other other thing I'm thinking is you got a real problem with finishing stuff, don't you? Didn't finish uni, didn't finish your ECT. What else are we worried about? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I... um, yeah, it, it was a really good thing. I, I had a massive headache after the very first one. Like, yeah. oh, my God, the headache was horrendous. But the ones after that, the headache wasn't so bad. Um, I didn't think – I had some memory issues immediately around when it was happening. Yeah. Um, I don't remember Christmas Day of that year. Um. Like these photos, and I, they mean nothing to me. I don't remember it at all. Hmm. But that's about all. I haven't had any memory issues since, hmm. and I don't have issues with memory of the things that happened before it. Um, I did have an interesting thing happen not that long ago where I picked up a book to read. I'd never read it. I'd never read it. Hmm. Anyway, I'm halfway through reading it, and in it is a bookmark. And the bookmark is a train ticket oh. from around somewhere around there. And I'd obviously been reading the book and I Just no, I hadn't I, t- no, I hadn't read it as far as I was concerned, but clearly I had. Mm. I had been reading it. Mm. Um, but that's it. Nothing else comes to mind where I've gone, oh, my God, I can't remember that. I didn't have any issues remembering people's names or mm. where I was going or what who I was or anything like that. I feel really grateful mm. that that was my experience of it all. And um, I feel really, really grateful to all those people who were the experiment, if, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, like yeah. all of those people from Callum Park and... And all of those really old institutions, Gladesville where, and yeah, all those places. Yeah, yeah. where it, it was, it was, it was a punishment as much as it was a treatment, and mm. you know, and and they're the ones who were the guinea pigs to work mm. out exactly how it worked and when it worked and when you should and when you shouldn't use it, and mm. you know, developing technology and stuff. And I, I really have a deep respect for the suffering that those people went through, so that I could get the advantage of it. Yeah, it's um you hear some of those old stories about you know and, yeah. and and even as you talk, I mean I guess 
there's a sense of some of these experiences where, you know, if you've watched those movies where people, let's just say, girl interrupted and things like that, mm. you know, you go, oh, it can't be that horrible. And there's sort of this sense that you, well, there were parts of it that absolutely were that horrible. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but I guess then the ECT is like any other treatment. I mean, I could have it and I'd go, well, no, it didn't work. It didn't do anything for me. You have it. And then, yeah, it absolutely worked, you know. Some people 100%. love mindfulness. Some people don't. Some people love oh. exercise. Some people, you and I are in the same boat then. Neither of us are runners. Yep. Um, yep. But, but, yep. but, you know, so it's it's that it's that thing that we always say, you, you know, you find the thing that works for you and then you do it yep. as often as you need to do it to keep yourself well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's and that, look the other thing as well is the thing that I you know going back to the mania type thing I had a friend who um, had at, at sort of fourteen fifteen had been diagnosed with bipolar and then at some stage they they went well actually no you you kind of cycle through too quickly we think it actually might be borderline personality disorder rather than bipolar oh. disorder. And mm. then eventually figured out, well, actually, no, it's anxiety. Um, yep. And, and the reactions that you're having are actually anxiety reactions as opposed to a, a bipolar or a borderline personality reaction. But mm. I always say to people, you know, I tell that story quite a lot. When I tell that, that, that process was actually 10 years or nearly 12 years. And, and mm. yours is a similar length of time, really, because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the numbers in my head. The Vaughan Bowie conversation happened somewhere in the mid-90s. What mm-hmm. you're talking 93. about happens in 2009, so we're looking at 16 yep. years of trying to figure mm-hmm. this shit out, <laughs> which is, yep. like, yep. you know, phenomenal. Mm. Yeah, and even now medication, the, the, the medications I was, so the medications I was taking straight after I'd had the ECT and, and moving into work and things, I took mm. those same medication for about, I don't know, 11 years or something Mm. and then the side effects got to a point where I wasn't willing to put up with them anymore Mm -hmm. so I went and spoke to my psychiatrist and she said okay let's make a change Mm. and I went okay scariest thing ever yeah because the medication was working there wasn't any issue there it was just that there were side effects that I just decided I couldn't put up with anymore Mm. So, yes, the change of medication was fun. I had probably some of my more significant manic states in there. Um, I had a – my worst fear is to have an episode while I'm at work, Mm. and that happened. (laughs) I had a a major meltdown, and I get what's called dissociation. I think I remember this one. (laughs) Was that when you yelled at somebody? (laughs) Oh, no, that was a different one. Okay. <laughs> but, you yeah, know, that's another thing. I yell at people. So I yelled at my boss. Because yeah. She did something gonna... silly, like change something on a sheet. And I'm screaming at her. And then I went, what am I doing? Why am I screaming at my boss? That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I dissociate. So I, I become separated from what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I watch it. I watch it. It happened when I had the episode in the city and ended up with the psychosis diagnosis. I watched the whole thing. I have vivid memory of it. I remember all of it. Mm. It's it's but it was happening to someone else. Yeah. I was watching it like a like a movie. Um and that happened at work. Um I'd gotten so distressed I just separated mm. and then just watched myself make a complete fool of myself at work. Um 
thankfully I worked for a great organisation who were amazing and mm. took it in their stride. But um, it was embarrassing and it was, yeah, yeah. Um, one of but, the, yeah. One of the great things I think about our workplaces is there's enough of us around that kind of go, oh, okay, that's what that was. All right. Yeah. We'll give you a free pass on this one. You know, yeah, they, they... and 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 they did. They they were amazing about it, and mm. had some days off, and and got my shit together. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, that's 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 sort of. I guess that's that's how things are for me. I, I, I'm really well. I think it's really important to say that out loud because. Mm. I am. I'm really well. I my medication works wonders. It, it mm-hmm. does its job. Um, I won't ever not be able to take it. Yeah. I'll I'll take medication forever now. Okay. Um, and that's a big realization to accept. Yeah. Because you fight against it. You fight against it like you don't like. There's no tomorrow. Well, I did anyway. I kept thinking it was going to get you know. Oh, I don't need it anymore. Mm. You know. But every single time I tried to not take it just proved that I did need to. Yeah. So now I don't fight it. Now I just take it. Yeah. It's routine. I just take it before I go to bed every Di- night. Diabetics take insulin, asthmatics yep. take Ventolin, yep. people yep. with bipolar take whatever they need to take. Yep. And I do. I just take it and I don't think anything of it anymore. I just, you know, that it's what keeps me well. It's, mm. it's Sorry. It's one of the things that keeps me well. Um, I think that was one of the biggest lessons. Medication doesn't do it all. It's not It's not the be-all and end-all. It's not mm-hmm. the massive, you know, individual fix. Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> it, for me... Yeah, I was going to... Yeah, so that's the next question. What else do you do? <laughs> what, what, else, yeah. what, what else is it? So for me, it was family and friends. I wouldn't be here where I am if my family and friends weren't who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, even strangers... There have been strangers through the course mm. that have made a difference. Mm. They said the right thing. They did the right thing. They, they, I don't know. They, they, they were just there. They, mm. they stepped in at a time and did something that made a difference. Mm. Um, Those beautiful little moments of serendipity where just the right yeah. thing happens in the right point. Yep. Yeah. You know, and. Mm. I wouldn't be anywhere without all of those things and those people in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, therapy, it's a bit of a thing now, but yeah, I see, you know, I see psychologists. I was seeing psychologists regularly and I stopped and it wasn't really necessary, so I was mm-hmm. okay, but then it became necessary. Again, I've had some things happen in my life with my children that have meant that I've gone back to speak to someone on a regular basis just to just to use as a sounding board or a vent or a... Mm-hmm. You know, a, a a what's what's the word I'm looking for? Like a a balance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we 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 had our mutual friend Rafi on a few episodes back, and she said, mm. you know, I look at it as is it in the same way you you know you keep your car, you tune up your car, you know, to yeah. keep it running yeah. well, tune up your brain. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, things. The other things is just you know. I'm not a big proponent. I don't do the exercise and eat well and no. lay off the alcohol. I, I, that's not me. It's mm. it's not what works. Well, I mean, it probably could work for me. I just don't do it. Um, <laughs> you had to give um, it up the groggy years ago. You might have been. No. 
<laughs> like, yeah, right. Um, but for me, it's family and friends and mm. it's four-wheel driving and it's camping and it's music and it's... Um, being a Hoovian. Being a Hoovian. Mm-hmm. Working. Yeah. Working is a thing. Being at home idle by myself, hmm. I, like I was when I was having babies, is not good for me. It doesn't work for me. I can't be alone with myself hmm. too often. Hmm. Um, I need things and people and and stuff like that. It, it It's what works for me. Hmm. Um, yeah, and- I think... And what you yeah. go to? What's what if you like? Like just had a shit day. The guy that sits across from you has been really painful, been mm-hmm. annoying. Yeah. <laughs> just just yep. in case anyone didn't figure um, it out, it's if me. I, I ha- I'm having a bad day. I'm having a bad day. What you go to? I will. <laughs> oh, look, I'll take a mental health day if I need it. Yep. I won't. If uh, I have a mental illness, mm. which means I become unwell, mm-hmm. not so unwell that I need to go to hospital or need any. But I, I have a day where I just can't function properly, mm. so I take a day off. Mm. Um, I, I, my go-to, my very guilty go-to, we were talking about Home and Away earlier, mm-hmm. I watch the Twilight movies. Oh. <laughs> I will sit and watch them back to back. I tried to do day. that once. That was the most... It was the second oh most God. harrowing experience of my life. The they most are. harrowing was Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Oh, see, that's my second go-to. Yeah, it just as a piece of information, are you aware that Fifty Shades of Grey started as a fan fiction of Twilight? I, I did hear that somewhere, yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's like um, telling it from another angle or something, isn't it, or something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I yeah. digress. They, mm. they are my guilty pleasures. They are like Mills and Boons for their trash telly that you don't have to think oh, about. Yeah. You know, they, they touch base with my inner teenager, and and I just do that. But, yeah, I mean, there's some things that I do that maybe aren't the best things. I will come home from work and have a drink. Mm. Um, I uh, I do like to, you know, I love to have a bath. Mm-hmm. Um, reading. I love just, just reading. Mm. Um, those sorts of things. Just debriefing with my husband when I get home. Mm. I'm sure he could work into my work and know everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Or at the very least, go. Oh, that's you. Okay. Oh yeah. Mm. All right. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah, um, they're they're the things that I do. Occasionally, I have. I talk about not doing sport, but I did play baseball for about four years. Yeah. Um, but I try to do new things. That's the the other thing. I do new things. I I go. Oh, okay. Let's do something new. I. I, after 20 years, I got myself back onto a pair of roller skates for a term and realised that I could still roller skate oh, didn't, you didn't, <laughs> nearly you, 30 years later. You didn't go so far as to do like roller derby or anything like that, did you? I was you didn't doing go lessons. That midlife I did crisis lessons path. For a whole ter- <laughs> I did lessons for a whole term just to learn all the skills again to the point where I thought I was going to do roller derby and then I realised, no, I fall over too much and it hurts. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I've got baseball, and now I take it up forward driving, and I just change it up because it it makes life interesting, and life needs to be interesting. I'm I hate being boring in in my personal life. In my, I, I, so for those who don't know me, I have 
most of my head shaved. I have mm-hmm. purple and blonde hair and I do amazing things with it and I yeah. wear clothes that I like, not clothes that are fashionable because I don't like to be boring <laughs> in my own head. No. And and I, I remember at some stage in the last, it's, it's yeah, close to 13 years now, um, I saw you come in with just a very regular-looking brown bob and I was yeah. like, Who's that? <laughs> yeah. Who's that person? Yeah, somebody, somebody accused me of being ordinary, so I had to do something about that. Oh goodness me! No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I I was thinking of the quote before as well when you're sort of talking about all the different things and trying things, and and one of my favourite quotes is from um from Osha, Osha from The Bachelor and Australian Idol and yeah, whatever yeah. other fifty thousand. Yeah, 000. he has OCD. Yep, and um and yep. and anxiety and a whole range of things. He's he's mm-hmm. quite um. And he had a um, alcohol addiction and things like that. He yeah. does a fantastic podcast called Better Than Yesterday, and um, mm-hmm. he does a little thing um, on. So one week he'll put it put out a uh, episode with a, a guest, and he's talking, and then he does just little ten minute catch ups, you know, where he kind of talks about what's happening and how he's doing and his and how he's what his what his mental health is like, how his mental health condition is going, all that sort of stuff. Anyway. My my favourite quote that I remember from him was one where he said, um, uh, "Medication doesn't do the work. Medication just makes the work work." And I yes. went, "Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. That's it." And I think, is... go on. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I like that that concept. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if more people, there's a couple of things you're saying as you're talking, and I'm thinking, and then I, I honestly believe the big push needs to be to be looking at these things the same way we look at any other medical condition. It is a medical condition. And as you yep. said, you need, you know, if a, a diabetic will take insulin, so you need to take that your medication to keep that happening. Yep. But, um, you know, if you're a diabetic, you don't just take the insulin, you watch your diet and your exercise, and you do a whole range of other yep. things to look after yourself. And it's yep. the same the same for us, you know. Yep. We do a whole range of other things to look after ourselves. We play baseball we roller skate and and we haven't even talked about you drawing pictures yet but that we, we're getting yes. to, getting towards the end so <laughs> yes but, so um, yes i i do i do like art too it's been yeah. a, a getaway from things yeah but we do all of those things well jackie it has been most enlightening i'm this is um yeah and and you know the thing is i i sort of uh have said a few times i, I joke and i say it kind of flippantly and i'm learning we shouldn't compare ourselves to others but you know, there's. I, I often sort of joke that I'm a lightweight in the mental health world because I, the medication I had worked the first time and I saw a counsellor that kind of worked for me and I didn't go through the, the processes that you had to go through. But um, I'm always really um, intrigued and I can't, I can't think of a better word. And it's not happy is not the right word, but I, I, I do like to hear people's stories um, oh. because I think, you know, there are enough people out there that perhaps are looking at their partner, looking at themselves and going, man, what am I going to do? And, you know, when someone like you comes on and says, well, you know, it took me nearly 20 years, but I got there and I continue to work on it. And I think yeah. it's really important for people to hear that. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and, and you think, you know, after, I don't know, 16 years or whatever it was before mm. I felt like I was well, I never thought I'd get there. I never thought that it would, could be any better. I, I think there's a there's a, a movie as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I thought that was it. I thought it was as, that was my life was as good as it was going to get, and mm. there was no hope. Mm. But 
you know, if there's anything that I can say to anyone that might be listening or that you might know, there's always hope, always. Mm. And it's never the end. Mm. Um, there's always something that might happen or could happen or that, you know, that might come around the corner. So you just you just don't know. So there's always hope and, and there's always the cons- that it can always get better. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the idea that depression isn't sadness, it's the absence of hope. Yeah. Mm. Yep. yep. On, on that note, let's um let's finish. Thank you. All right, no worries. Thank you. Hello, folks. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of our podcast. Uh, Before I go, could I please ask uh, just a couple of small favours? Number one, uh, we would very much, as we said at the start, love for you to review this podcast. And, of course, please share this podcast. Um, The reviews help us to uh, help other people to see what this podcast is about. And, of course, the sharing helps us to get our message out there. We don't have any money, so we're really relying on uh, social media to be able to spread this message. Uh, equally, if you listen to this podcast, now we do a warning at the start, but if you listen to this podcast and anything uh, triggered for you or it made you think about your own mental health or well-being or someone who you loves mental health or well-being, please uh, take steps to help to either manage that yourself or to support someone to manage their mental health. Uh, if you do feel like you are need to talk to somebody, Uh, and you can't talk to friends or family, please go and see your GP. Or, of course, you can call Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Men's Line Australia on 1300 789978. Lifeline on 13 11 14. Or, of course, the Kids Helpline on 1800 55 1800. If you or someone that you love is in immediate danger, please call triple O. Uh, but at the very least, please um, find a way to manage your mental health and your mental health conditions. And please support the people that you love to manage their mental health and mental health conditions. And again, if something you've heard today triggers for you, please go and seek um, some support uh, immediately to manage your mental health condition, whether that's one of the helplines we just mentioned or the GP. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.